Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the OFNT podcast, Huawei loses, Apple's first service bundle, and Facebook takes some overdue unilateral action. The Pine phone makes an appearance, and I receive my aura ring. I have some sparse podcasting news and wrap it all up with a long-winded semi-rant. Let's get this thing in motion. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the OFNT Podcast. OFNT stands for Old Fart, New Tech. I'm your host and resident old fart, Jim Schaefer. I hope this finds you well. And you're having a great week. Well, politics. I've retired the New Normal Opinions podcast due to a lack of listenership. I'm working on another show about politics with a new and hopefully better format. Stay tuned, kids. Let's start off with some tech news. From 9to5google.com. Huawei license expires, threatens to cut off Android updates for currently supported phones. From the article, it's been well over a year since a U.S. ban forced Google to cut off Huawei, but an ongoing and renewed license has allowed the two companies to work together and continue supporting phones already in the hands of consumers with Android updates. Now, though, that license is in jeopardy. The Washington Post reports that, as of this past Thursday, the general license that allowed Google to work with Huawei on maintaining current phones has expired. Technically speaking, the license was designed to help rural communities in the U.S. whose networks relied on Huawei equipment, offering time to acquire new equipment. The last sentence is the key to this article. The real target here is Huawei's network equipment, not their cell phones. The phone business is just a casualty in all this. 
With the supply of chips made with U.S. technology drying up, combined with the inability to use Android, Huawei's smartphone business outside of its home country is looking bleak. I'm sure Huawei and its masters in Beijing are hoping for a Biden victory in November. Biden and his son are already in the pocket of the CCP, so the transition would be a win-win, as Supreme Ruler Xi likes to say. Next, Apple's first rumored service bundle was announced this week. If you are an Apple TV Plus subscriber, you can now bundle CBS All Access and Showtime for $9.99 per month. The caveat being that you have to watch these streaming services through the Apple TV Plus app. Nice start, but it could be better. I uh, cord-cutted a long time ago and currently use the Hulu streaming service bundled with ESPN Plus and Disney Plus. As a part of Hulu, I have the Showtime and Stars bundle, which includes many different channels for each service for $14.99 per month. I can also use both services' standalone app to stream, which in some situations is easier and better. I'm not budging on this one. CBS All Access has nothing I really want to watch, so no loss there. Facebook known for deleting accounts of many conservative point-of-view people and organizations, has removed thousands of Antifa accounts. Finally, the excuse for removing the non-leftist accounts was the potential for violence, something communists and their minions have a lock on if you've been paying attention to the news from this country lately. Now, if only Twitter would follow. I know, I'm asking too much. Next up. The Phone That Won't Die. This article from Engadget.com. BlackBerry phones are back, baby. From the article, it looks like BlackBerry hardware is back from the brink of extinction once again. Today, the security startup Onward Mobility announced plans to release a new 5G BlackBerry smartphone with a physical keyboard. It could arrive in North America and Europe as soon as the first half of 2021. The article doesn't state what operating system the phone will run, but I'm assuming it will be Android. Hmm. Security in Android seems like an oxymoron to me, but what do I know? I guess there's a niche market for this type of phone, but it has to be very niche, as in microscopic. Maybe this will be the new hipster phone? I wish Windows Phone would make a comeback. I'd be all over that. Lastly, the Pine Phone, which I discussed many episodes ago, has been released. It ships running a version of the Linux operating system, though any operating system can be loaded on it. The hardware compares to low-end Android phones, but due to the efficiency of Linux, like Windows Phone was, just had to say that, it can run smoothly on just about any hardware. Due to the phone's open architecture, Supposedly, there's many operating systems being developed for it, uh, mostly variations of Linux. Besides basic apps, there is not much out there for this phone, but that could change in the future. This hardware is targeted mainly at developers, so we'll have to wait and see how things go. Anyone remember Sailfish? 
It was a startup manned by the remnants of Nokia's Symbian team, and while everyone had high hopes for the product, it floundered, pun intended, and just about died. Ubuntu tried a similar thing, but it too failed. I'm telling you, the only mobile operating system out there that could challenge the duopoly we have now is Windows Phone. And yes, I'm advocating for that. Tech I'm using. Well, I received my Aura Ring Thursday, and here are my first impressions. The ring is lighter and smaller than I thought it would be. Now, I've only had the ring for a few days, but I've discovered a few things I don't like about it versus the old motive ring. All have to do with software, not the hardware. While the companion iOS app looks gorgeous compared to the motive rings app, it doesn't have the same functionality. The first problem is that activity between the hours of midnight and four in the morning can't be recorded. I'm currently working the overnight shift, and these hours are my most active at work and sometimes during my whole day. The second problem is that I usually go to sleep at 6 in the morning, wake up between noon and 2 in the afternoon, depending on what I have going on, and then go back for a combat nap before getting ready for work. The app either doesn't record the sleep or chalks it up to me going to bed for the evening. The third problem is that the software does not record workouts. You either have to manually enter them, or hopefully the Aura app will sync with Apple's Health app. I haven't been able to test this yet. The Motive Ring was able to do these things with no problems. I sent an email to Aura Support and received a reply that basically only addressed the second problem, saying they are working on fixing the recording of naps. Though the first issue of not recording activity between the hours of midnight to four in the morning is recognized on the company's fact list, they blame the way Apple does its calendars and that they are working on it. That problem wasn't addressed in the reply I received. The Motive software had no problem tracking activity after midnight until four, so I don't know what the problem is. Over the months that my Motive Ring was functioning, I kind of had buyer's remorse because I kept seeing glowing reviews of the Aura Ring on YouTube and various tech press websites while seeing the opposite about the Motive Ring or nothing at all. The big issue about the Motive Ring was and is reliability. I found that out the hard way. Comparing the two pieces of tech, reliability aside, the Motive Ring managed to do 95% of what the Aura Ring does with just one sensor versus the three of the Aura. The Aura Ring monitors your temperature while you're sleeping and can provide more specific sleep and heart rate details than the Motive could. The good news in all this is I should be coming off the overnight shift mid-October and that will solve these problems. My son said some companies should combine the best features of the two products and market it. Uh, it's just basically a software problem, not a hardware problem. With the signing by Aura of that big NBA contract, maybe they can hire some better software engineers. So, if you work the overnight shift, take a pass on the Aura ring. Next, I bit the bullet in 
I'm running the betas of iOS 14, iPad OS 14, Watch OS 6, and MacOS Big Sur. I haven't had a chance to put them through their paces yet, but I like the widgets on iOS. Can't really tell a difference between the previous versions of the operating systems on the watch or iPad. I haven't even played with the Big Sur macOS beta yet, but it sure looks better. Dare I say, more iOS-like? Finally, what's up with Amazon Prime's delivery times these days? Just asking for a friend. Entertainment news. Not much here again, but the usual polarization crap from the over-beautiful, overpaid, and undereducated and out-of-touch celebrities. Here's one article, though, from thedailybeast.com. The postman, Kevin Costner, thinks Trump's post office meddling is criminal, reads the headline. First off, no one pays you to think, Mr. Costner. They pay you to read other people's words, you empty vessel of a being. What is going on today at the U.S. Postal Service has been in the works for years, and other things happening are routine. What is criminal to my mind is that you have gotten quite wealthy from many crappy movies while people who risk their lives working every day get squat. Just another case of TDS, which is rampant these days, especially in Hollywood. Land of the Molesters and Pedophiles. Podcast news. I just have to say it again. Man, how does Glenn Beck get his podcast to sound so good? I've been listening to a lot of episodes of that podcast lately, and I just can't get over how great it sounds. First up. Zoom has released its competitor to the Rode Podcaster Pro for $200. This is versus the $600 Rode gets for their unit. The Zoom PodTrack P4 features four mic inputs and outputs, as well as four headphone outputs. The Rode features six of these same inputs and outputs. The P4 also has a soundboard, which is simpler than Rode's. The screen is not a touchscreen like the Rode features, and the construction is mainly plastic, while the Podcaster Pro is mainly metal. The Zoom P4 is about a quarter of the size of the Podcaster Pro, so if portability is important to you, this would be a good choice. What the Zoom product doesn't have is onboard audio processing, for example, a gate or expander, compressor, etc., This is a case of you get what you pay for. Sure, you can buy a $50 software plugin to do the processing in post, but that takes time and patience. I'm not an audio engineer, and my failed attempts at being one are very evident in past episodes of this podcast. I'd rather spend less time on production so the features of the road are a better fit for me. And lastly, I'm considering moving my podcast host to Captivate. The service allows you to host multiple podcasts on a single account. The price tiers are measured by the number of downloads, so at the lowest tier, I could probably host uh, at least 100 different shows. (music) 
Rant time. Eh, this is kind of a rant. At the end, it's kind of a rant, so bear with me. The internet. I'm of the age where there was no internet when I was a kid, or even well into my adulthood. At least the version for civilians. My first encounter with what would become the internet occurred when I was a young buck in the military. I had moved off of the base to an old schoolhouse that had been converted to apartments. My neighbor just so happened to be a lieutenant who worked for the now-defunct Rome Air Development Center, or RADC as everyone referred to it. Basically, what they did was take aircraft frames that were in military service, tear them down, and try and improve them. Oscar was the lieutenant's name, and he was an engineer, though I don't recall what type. One afternoon, he invited me up to his apartment. Upon entering, I noticed that a desk with a computer terminal, not a PC, mind you, dominated his living room. My own living room was dominated by a high-end stereo system that I was quite proud of. Of course, I inquired about the terminal, and Oscar explained to me that it was connected via a computer network to the RADC so he could work from home. He sensed my interest and demonstrated the use of something called email. I had never heard of that before. This was where coworkers and others from around the country could contact him and help him if he ran into problems at work. Well, my mind was blown. I guess the network he was using was ARPANET, the precursor to the internet we all use today. A couple of years later, I purchased my first PCs, yes, plural, and began learning the various operating systems around at the time. Examples were CPM and OS9. OS9 was the first multitasking operating system that was available for PCs and ran on the lowly Tandy Radio Shack color computer. IBM and Apple PCs were way beyond my financial means at the time. What you did have was a service called CompuServe, which featured chat rooms and the newswire from the Associated Press and United Press International. While I would love to have had those, again, it was beyond my financial means to subscribe to that service. With the advent of telephone dial-up modems came bulletin board services, BBSs. They were hosted by fellow computer enthusiasts. These were interesting days for me, and I spent many hours on these bulletin board services. My first email account was on a BBS run by the local high school computer club. It was called Merlin. My computer escapades were cut short by five years overseas assigned to remote, at the time, places that didn't have any computer culture. Upon my return to the continental United States, a lot had changed, with just about everyone having a PC and using America Online, AOL, for access to the newfangled internet. I joined but quickly became bored of the curated content on AOL. I earned for the wild days of the BBSs. Another year-long remote assignment again interfered with my computer journey. When I returned, I bought a new computer and rejoined AOL. A couple of retired GIs with Vision founded an internet service called HomeNet, and I jumped aboard. I was one of the first people to sign up. At last, I was hooked into the real internet. 
It was a polite internet at that time, with the worst thing that could happen to you was being flamed. This was where someone that thought your comment was stupid or they didn't agree with you would post a fire graphic with you've been flamed written below it. Back then, I was also an avid listener to shortwave radio, and in particular, the British Broadcasting Company or Corporation World Service, BBC. One evening, I listened to a report on foreign companies going into business in Vietnam. It basically was a hit piece on the U.S., and I believe this was the first bit of gender-driven journalism that I had heard. Reporter interviewed some very anti-U.S. people who used in one example of how stupid the U.S. was by comparing what the French were selling, which was laundry soap, to what the U.S. was trying to sell, computers. The man being interviewed claimed that the Vietnamese people didn't need computers. Well, the BBC had an email address, so I sent my opinion on the piece to them. A couple of days later, the reporter responsible for the report replied, somewhat surprised that my email had been forwarded to her, and it was the first time anyone on the staff had received a comment on content via email. She went on to explain that the youth of Vietnam were in fact into Western culture, but she really hadn't interviewed any. She also sent a cassette tape, remember them? Of other shows that she had done. I sent another email thanking her for her attention and the cassette. Who knows, maybe I'm a legend over at the BBC for being the first to send a reporter an email? Nah, but I do have a claim, don't I? As the years rolled by and with the PC becoming basically an appliance, trolls and other miscreants appeared and got us started down the road where we find ourselves now, unfortunately. With the advent of the commercialization of the internet, smartphones, and social media, too few companies and people have gained control of the info we see and shape it to their agenda. What the internet has become causes me to be sad. Well, episode 43 is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you, and I hope my efforts were worthwhile. Now you can contact me at OFNTPodcast at gmail.com if you feel so inclined. Let me know how I can improve the show and what content you want more of. So be safe, and I'll see you next week. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Now, go out and enjoy the summer and get off my lawn. See ya. Uh, I'm out.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.